What's up, Duke fans, and welcome to another episode of Duke Blue Central, the podcast giving you all things Duke basketball. We're coming at you with another episode right after Duke was successful in bouncing back after a Wake Forest loss against the Louisville Cardinals here at home. I'm actually going to do a little bit of breakdown on both of these games. Hadn't had a chance to record uh, since the Duke Wake Forest games, and I kind of want to just give some loose opinions on that uh, before we dive into uh, uh, Duke's most recent win. Talk about the loss first, start with the bad, end with the good. This was a game I was actually fortunate enough to be able to attend in person. It, it, it was the uh, the largest Wake Forest basketball game ever uh, at their home at their home place. Uh, I believe it was a Lawrence Joel Coliseum or something like that, name of the arena. Uh, they had just over fourteen thousand, I believe, was the final attendance there. Totally sold out crowd. Their biggest attendance ever uh, for a Wake Forest game. So, needless to say, the environment. Uh, was really, really good for this game. If I had to compare it to something, you know, um, I've been to a couple, I haven't been to perhaps as many uh, ACC arenas and things as I've liked, uh, but if I could compare it to maybe the three I'm most familiar with, been to Cameron uh, and then been to Virginia Tech, oddly enough, uh, a couple of times. I was I, I lived in Virginia Tech while I went, I went to college up uh, in a school in Virginia, and uh we went to several Duke Virginia Tech games, and then going to this weight game. If I could kind of put them in a ranking, I, I do think definitely Cameron is the loudest, uh, loudest college basketball arena I've ever been to. And it's not even just because of you know, everybody talks about the crazies and things like that. Uh, a huge part, uh, the crazies are insane, uh, and they even go crazy in the against the smaller opponents, which is something that all of these arenas can't speak to. Um, you know, at its loudest, Virginia Tech might very well get as loud as a place like Cameron. Um, but you know, if you go see Virginia Tech play Bucknell at the Castle, the student section isn't going as crazy as the crazies are at Cameron, no matter who the opponent is for Duke. Um, but I, I, I compare it to like the the hits at Wake were very loud. So like when, when Wake would go up or when Wake kind of determined they were going to win the game when they made some of their biggest shots or, or the Duke turnovers and things like that, the big splashes were really loud at Wake. Um, however, I do think I'd give the slight edge to Virginia Tech there uh, as far as the noise factor. I, I think the splashes and the loud bangs of the game were equally as loud as as this weight game as the Virginia Tech games I've been to, uh, but Virginia Tech is just loud uh, the entire game, kind of no matter the situation. So that's kind of a <laughs> not anything at all what we're going to talk about on this episode. But I figured I'd give some insight there. Now to give credit to like uh, Virginia Tech, this was Wake's biggest potentially biggest basketball game they've ever played in this arena, and when I was a Going to see them play Duke, you know, always a big game when you have when you're playing Duke. But it was not. I, I don't think it was a record-breaking attendance for them or anything. Um, so I do think you know the Virginia Tech fans get up for their basketball team more than the Wake fans do. But all that to say, it was very loud in there, um, especially when in the second half Wake was you know had the lead and was fighting and maintaining the lead, uh, kind of stretching it just ever so out front. Of Duke and Duke was never able to really take it back uh, once Wake grabbed it late in the second half. Um, but I just want to say, like Duke played a decent game here. This isn't like a 
yes, Duke had opportunities to win, and especially, I mean, you look at some key plays in the game, and the big ones everyone has talked about are the the several really bad turnovers late when Duke was able to cut the lead to two, uh, maybe even one one of the times, but at least cutting the lead to where you can tie or take the lead with the basket. And uh, we turned the ball over twice, one of them being Jeremy Roach, which is surprising coming from a senior guard who's been in that position a lot. The other one being on kind of a miscommunication uh, between Proctor and Flip. and That one was really the most, uh, I guess, the most damning one for Duke uh, at the end of the day. That was one where you, you know, we had the ball with, uh, I think, the sh- you, you know, had the ball with the shot clock turned off. I, th- I believe there was nine seconds when we crossed half court and we're down by two with a chance to take uh, tie or even win at the buzzer. And we don't even get a shot opportunity. Um, I mean, that's, that's rough to not even put a shot up at all is really bad in that situation, especially for a game in which I felt like uh, Duke played pretty clean for the most part. We ended up with 10 turnovers on the whole game, which is, I think maybe slightly more than our season average, but that's not going to kill you. Um, but man, two of those coming on the most two important offensive possessions of the game really killed Duke's chances to win. But look, a couple of those chances bounce our way. We're walking out of there with the win, and we're not talking about any of this court storming drama or any of that, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but this is a game you're not too upset to lose as a Duke fan for me. You always want to win. But we've seen college basketball show over and over again, especially this season, how hard it is to win on the road at some of these places. And it's even harder when the school amps the game up so much that it's the biggest basketball game that's ever been played at Wake Forest. Um, and And none of this is taking away from Wake either. I've said for a while, I think Wake is a great team. Hunter Salas is a star um, they shoot the ball really well from three. I, I thought this whole time they were deserving of being into in the uh, the NCAA tournament, and I think I, I would bet on them to win one or two games in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're actually my <laughs> preseason on a, a friend of mine's podcast. We did a prediction, and, and, and Wake was actually my pick to win the ACC tournament, and I'm actually going to stick with that pick, uh, <laughs> maybe to the, the unhappiness of some of you Duke fans listening. I think Wake has what it takes in a tournament setting to just get hot and make shots and and just be unbeatable for a little bit. Kind of like we've seen some Miami teams do with the amount of uh, shooting wings and shooting guards that they've had over the years. This Wake team kind of reminds me of some of those uh, previous Miami teams. Uh, But Wake played a great game, but but this is a game that was highly contested uh, between who I think are definitely two of the best teams in the ACC – and Duke's on the road, and we come out with a loss in a game where uh, a couple things bounce our way, and we make a few couple less mistakes where we might be walking out of there with a win. A play nobody talks about is uh, at the end of the half, Jalen Blake's uh, fouled a Wake Forest player at half court um, with just like two seconds left, one second left, as he's throwing up a half court, you know, 45-foot heave. Uh, Blake's fouls him on the floor, and Duke's in the double bon- or Wake's in the double bonus at that point. He drills two free throws. Um, those two free throws <laughs> would have meant a ton to Duke at the end of the game. Uh, those times where we were down two, you know, the game would have been tied. Or even I think at the end of the game, 
we were only down two with nine seconds with a chance to win. Uh, you know, if you scratch those two points off the board, Wake misses a half court shot. Uh, we're potentially looking at a situation where now you never know how the game's going to go, but we're potentially looking at a situation where Duke is uh, Duke. The game is tied with nine seconds to go, and uh, with Duke with the ball, which just looks a lot different than uh, the situation we were in. But um, and needless to say, good game, good game from Wake. Uh, but but as far as how does this game affect my expectation? How does the weight game affect my expectation on what Duke can do in the NCAA tournament? I don't think it affects it that much. I think there are things you can point to. I mean, we sh- we shot the ball well from three in this game, so it, you can't blame. I mean, we shot 44%. Wake ended up shooting, I think, slightly over 50% on the game for three-point shooting. They did only make nine compared to our 11 Um but still, you're shooting at that high clip. You're just not missing. They took smart threes, too, and they're a great three-point shooting team. Uh, but but any team that's shooting 50% or higher from three is just going to be hard to beat, uh, you know, almost no matter how much they're shooting, as long as it's they're not shooting, you know, under 10 <laughs> three-pointers for the whole game. Um but 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 Wake is a good team. Uh, and he, look, I mean, I'm not breaking any new news to people here. But you don't play the ACC in the NCAA tournament at home or on the road. Uh, Wake Forest is undefeated at home this season, uh, and a lot of their road games they've struggled. Uh, as we've just seen, as the I believe yesterday they lost to Notre Dame, one of the you know one of the worst teams in the ACC. They have a good defense, um, but record-wise, one of the most underperforming worst teams in the ACC, and they lost to them. Hunter Salas put up not good numbers uh, right after this Duke uh, Duke game. As we like to say as Duke fans, we are every team's Super Bowl. That was the case for Wake Forest, uh, just being honest. They got amped for the Duke game and uh, obviously had a huge letdown losing to a team like Notre Dame. Uh, has to, you know, almost be like a sucker punch um, to – to coach Forbes and the rest of the Wake Forest team and and maybe a little wake-up call for them that they can't just sleepwalk through these teams like they might think they can. Um, but look, Wake is a good team, a tournament team. It is no shame in losing to them in an environment at their place that they've never lost to the whole season. And like I said, I don't really think this game affects my opinion on where I think Duke can go in the tournament, which is making a run to an Elite Eight and potentially a Final Four, and then who knows what happens. Um, a lot of that's matchup dependent on and uh, how streaky your shooting is and things like that, how healthy you are, which that's something Duke's dealing with right now. But, uh, but no, th- this very slight loss to Wake does not affect really where I think Duke can be on the season. It would have been a nice statement win. Um, I, I believe I saw someone on Twitter post something like that. Like, this game was the opportunity for Duke to say, we are national contenders, we go into Wake and win. And I do think that is a heck of an impressive win to go in there and win if they would have won. I think you would have had more of a conversation of Duke really being in contention for a two-seed, which really would have helped us out. I still think that's possible. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about, we've got three games left in the regular season, UVA at home, quad one opportunity, uh, NC State away, Don't th- that's not a quad one, and then UNC at home. Uh, those are two 
really three pretty quality opponents when you consider how poorly Duke has played in Raleigh in the past. But that's an opportunity for three really good wins there. And then as long as you don't really mess up in the ACC tournament, let's say Duke makes it to at least the, you know, I, I can't remember exactly how it works. I get mixed up on a lot of this. We secured a double bye tonight. I believe that would mean we win two games to get into the final. I believe that's how it was last year. Because last year, last year we were the, I believe we were tied one or two seed in the ACC tournament, and we had to play, was it two games to get into the final? Yeah, you're basically playing a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and then a championship. So as long as, you know, we win that quarterfinal game, get to the championship, your seeding's not going to drop because of that, even if you lose the championship game. Uh, historically, uh, the, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee doesn't take advantage, doesn't really look at those championship matchups like you think they would. After last year's championship run where Duke was just on fire, uh, ran through the ACC tournament, beat Virginia. Everybody was talking about how we were going to be a higher seed, and we kind of ended up in the same position we were going to be before the ACC tournament started. Um, so that's really interesting. I don't love that also. I, I really think they should look at that more. Um, but but it, it, historically it's shown that as long as you just don't have a horrible loss in the in your conference tournaments, it's really not going to hurt your seeding that much. I think they kind of hammer out the seeding before the conference tournament starts and then just make minor tweaks and adjustments depending on how, uh, you know, maybe there was a big upset or a team that wasn't expected to make it wins the tournament. Obviously, then you have to put them in. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think Duke could still fight for a two seed. You know, if, if we're talking about a team, if we beat Carolina – uh, at home, I believe we would still clinch a share of the regular season ACC title. I might be wrong on that. Um, but even if not, if we're a team that beats Carolina uh, at home at the end of the year, split the series with them, and then make a run to the championship and even win it, I think you'll see some arguments for Duke getting a two. But it really just depends on what the other teams and the other conferences do. But honestly, I, I mean – you want to have a two seed, but I, I wanted to steer. I, I'd really love for Duke to just not get a four seed. Uh, I, I think a three seed for us uh, would be, I'd be pretty happy with that, um, depending on what bracket we got situated in. But we'll see what happens. You, you never know. Kansas is kind of one of those teams that's, that's slipped in uh, recent days. Uh, you know, if they take another loss before the season ends or something like that or, or, or lose before the championship game in the Big 12, could we leapfrog them into two seed territory? I think it's possible. So uh, Duke still with plenty of opportunity to end the year. Uh, but anyway, that's um, enough about that. Let's talk about the court storming situation here. Now, again, I, I was there live at this game. I did not see Flip get hurt. I mean, <laughs> I was not really paying attention all that much at that point. I saw him storm the court. It was extremely fast, um, and, and that was even – you could feel that in the room a little, how, how quickly they were on the court. And the biggest thing for me, I, I told this to somebody else, that I don't think you captured on TV. You, there, you, there would have been no way to capture it on TV. But I think a huge reason why the court storming was maybe as violent as it was is because, you know, Duke was down four. I believe, yeah, yeah. So Wake had just scored to make the game four 
We, they were up four with .8 seconds left, and Duke had to inbound the ball. And Forbes, Coach Forbes, actually called a timeout to get his defense set, and I guess just to tell him not to foul anybody. I mean, typically, you'd play that situation out, but um, but yeah, I don't know. Forbes felt the need to call a timeout, so he did. And and what that timeout actually did was it allowed all the students in the it was a long timeout. It 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 allowed all the students in the arena to get right on the ropes so that right when the game ended, they could storm the court. I actually think the court storming would have been less of a big deal had that timeout not been called um, because it, it wouldn't have allowed for so many students. Uh, Wake Forest's student section is interesting. It's like it, it's one a baseline, so it's behind one basket, and then it, it goes all the way up into the upper deck. So it, it's it's students all in the lower deck in the one baseline and it even extends to the upper deck so when Forbes calls that timeout you're watching students from the upper deck make their way down the stairs and just to pile in and press in on the lower deck student section so right when that buzzer goes off they're on the court uh if there's no timeout you know the students on the lower court yeah are going to rush but they're you're not going to have this mass horde of people that are waiting down there um to get onto the court. So it, it's just it, a weird series of events. Um, but, but I mean, let's talk about flip getting hurt here. He is okay, which is good. Um, what he might've been a little shaken up. He didn't have his greatest performance tonight against Louisville. Um, some of that could have just been matchup dependent. And he, he might still be recovering a little or just a lack of practice throughout the week. Um, but it looks like Duke has avoided, any uh, real scare with that. I do think we have something to be worried about with Caleb Foster uh, being out potentially for the rest of the regular season. Um, but, you know, now that we can look back, Flip's not horribly injured. We can, I think we can have a little bit better of a discussion on it. Um, I, I think it's ridiculous anybody saying that Flip caused this in any way. It, it, players are not at an obligation to, you know, like – keep the fans safe as they're court storming or like <laughs> that's not their job. Their job is to play and, uh, you know, play all they can play till the last second. And that's what Duke was doing. Kyle Filipowski has no obligation to the Wake Forest students to get off the court really fast. That is not his role. So anyone saying that like, oh, he should have rushed off the court faster. Think, that's not their job. They're players. We we as fans watch this game because of them, and and their safety and their ability to play this game is what allows us the privilege of watching it. So to somehow say that he's responsible for any of this, it's just ridiculous in my opinion. And and now, do I think we have to ban court storming altogether? I don't know. I probably not. I think there are ways you can execute it safer. Um, I think you can wait a good a few seconds after the buzzer goes off and then storm the court. I understand how hard that is uh, from a security perspective. Uh, like there's a certain point where, look, if, if there is a thousand students that are rushing the court, um, <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough to stop them. Uh, Jay Bill is throughout, throughout a statement where you just bring cops on the court and anyone who storms the court, you, you rope up the court and you detain them. And, and that's an interesting suggestion there. If you really want to end it, that would be the way to do it. You know, have cops out there. And if you storm the court, great, you're on there. And then you just get arrested. Uh, I don't know if I, I would take it that far. 
Um, but something's got to be done here. And I think Wake Forest punishment should be pretty severe. Um, just golly. I mean, let's put ourselves in the worst case scenario here. And somehow, you know, a fan runs over, by the way, I mean, it, the, that there was a fan who tried to push push flip in the back as he was getting spun around by this crowd. I mean, that's just I hate to use this, but that's just classless behavior by that fan. Look, I'm as excited about college basketball as the next guy, um, but there's just no excuse. I don't care how much you hate Duke. Uh, like I would e- never even consider doing that to a Carolina player. Uh, the players are what make this game great, and and, and as much as I dislike North Carolina and, um, you know, don't root for their players, not in a personal way, but because they play for UNC. It, it never in a million years would it cross my mind to be like, let me shove RJ Davis in the back. Yeah. <laughs> let me see if I can push this guy down after a loss. That's just not good behavior. And I, I think that <laughs> in a lot of ways, like, those students should be a little ashamed of themselves. I mean, this is this is a game we like here. Uh, college basketball is meant for moments like this, and and you ruined it by making it about you, um, by trying to cause physical harm to players. It, it, to me, that's it's just ridiculous. Personally, on a personal note, uh, those guys should be disappointed in themselves uh, as students. Look, these are college students. These aren't kids. We're talking about these are grown ups, um, and. You know, <laughs> I don't care how maybe uh, impaired they were in that moment. Uh, you you got to have better wherewithal than to shove a player in the back like that. Uh, just craziness. But could, do you ban court storming altogether? I, I don't know if you can. It's it's interesting, and, and I don't know if I want to. I, I like I like seeing fans storm the court. It's a fun thing. It's a fun time, and uh, students have a fun time with it. And as long as we can do it, execute it safe, I think there's no problem with it. Um but you just gotta. You, the bottom line is you gotta allow guys to get off the court in a safe way. Um, so I don't know what that looks like as far as far as regulation. Maybe you do sink some more money into uh, into putting security in the arena where they can at least hold them off for five to ten seconds after the buzzer sounds. I mean, they were on the court before the buzzer even sounded. Um, at least delay them a few seconds there so players are able to exit the court safely then let them celebrate i think that's a possibility um but yeah just a crazy situation i'm glad that flip's not seriously hurt and that we're we've come out kind of on the good side of this and to be honest with you man if i was a duke coach i would be using that i would use every drop of that situation for motivation for the team going forward like uh man yeah, this you know losing might be the best medicine in this situation. Think about how fired up you can get that team. Uh, you know, play with some tenacity. Gosh, yeah, yeah, I'd be using every bit of that that footage, that court storming stuff as motivation for the team moving forward. And uh, we know this team responds well to things like that. Uh, after a lot of the same, these same players got whooped by Miami uh, last year, they they had a team meeting, talked about it. That's when we went on our run. I'm kind of hoping this Wake Forest court storming thing sparks us like that did. Um, and it, it seemed to do it for the next game as we kind of transition to talking about Louisville. This isn't a game I need to spend a ton of time on. Look, Louisville's not a good team. Um, they won three games in ACC play, only one of those being on the road. Uh, 
but uh, nevertheless, it's always good to see see you really dominate a team like you were supposed to. Um, this isn't a Louisville team that we totally dominated the last time we played them. Jeremy Roach was dealing with some injuries there. Uh, just to read some stats for you, Duke ended up winning by 25. I think the spread was 20 and a half. Uh, so Duke was able to cover. Shot 56% on the game, 50% from three. Uh, I mean, it, just those alone, <laughs> that's a pretty good margin. If, if there's one bad from a team perspective, we didn't shoot the ball particularly well from the stripe. Only 56% uh, from from the free throw line. I think a lot of that was due. Mark, uh, I know Mark had a rough game from the uh, from the free throw line. He went two for five for 40%. But even like Flip went one for two, Proctor went one for two for 50%. Uh, Sean Stewart was able to hit three for four. Good for him. That's an improvement on uh, how he's been shooting. Uh, but, yeah, this was a dominating game for Duke. Duke went up by a lot really early. And uh, in the first half, we turned the ball over, I think, ten times, um, which is – that's more than, our, more than our season average, I believe, on the year. Um, so that was – I say, quote unquote, keeping Louisville in it. I still think we were up by like, uh, <laughs> I still think we were up by at least 14 or, you know, 10 plus uh, by the end of the first half. And we only ended up turning the ball over 14 times. So only four turnovers in the second half. So I imagine that was a big emphasis on the uh, the halftime speech there from Coach Shire um, was, was keeping those turnovers down to a minimum. But that was the only reason Louisville was even in this game is because we coughed up the ball in the first half. Um, but this was this game was a Jeremy Roach masterclass, an incredible game from him. Shooting efficiency, he shot 8 for 11, 72% from the field, and went 3 for 4 from 3. I've talked about it before, but man, Roach Roach's improved three-point shot is just maybe the story of this year. Like, it, he's shooting, I think, they said on – after tonight, or before tonight, I think he was shooting 47% from three. That is just just bonkers. Like, yeah, before tonight, 46.8% from three. Just <laughs> a ridiculous improvement from him. And uh, it's something we're going to need moving forward. I hope he can stay hot from three. Also had six rebounds, uh, one assist. Only had one turnover on the game, too. Three steals. Just a master class. Uh, Masterclass from Jeremy Roach here. It's just so incredible to have him back. Finishes with 19 points. He was scoring at will at points of this game. Uh, other good performances, Mark Mitchell, Jared McCain. Jared McCain was 4 for 7 from 3. Good shooting from him. Perfect from the line. Uh, Mark had a good game. Had he converted a little bit more from the line, he would have even had uh, more points. Could have had a potential 20-piece in this game had he gone perfect from the line. Still finishes with 17 points. And uh, seven rebounds, almost a double-double there. Also had three steals and one block. Did turn the ball over four times. Um, but like I said, turnovers were kind of a problem earlier in the game for Duke. Uh, Flip had an all right game. He only scored nine. Um, I don't know if he was still shaken up from injury a lot. But something to watch with this team, it, it seems to be we're, we're moving to really being a guard-led team. Now, I know that sounds crazy because we start three guards every game. But it's like... I feel like previously we were almost playing through flip. It felt like on every offensive possession. Last couple games, we've really been led by our guards in the offense with flip kind of just being allowed to play free and clean up plays and, and still be in the offense, but maybe not be 
I don't want to say the focal point because he is, you know, best player on the team. But uh, but they're allowing the guards to really uh, to initiate the offense and really be the starters on the offense as opposed to Flip, which I actually like. I think that takes a lot of pressure off Flip's shoulders and lets him be down low more, which I think is the key to his game. Uh, I think Proctor had a, had himself another good game. He had a great game at Wake Forest. I meant to, to mention that awesome comeback game from him. Um, he did only have eight points tonight, um, but finished the game with seven assists, uh, which is great. Flip actually had six, so just one behind him. Uh, seven assists, three ba- three rebounds, only one turnover and one steal, eight points for Proctor. Uh, and, and his passes were pretty tonight. He was on. You, you got the real Tyrese Proctor tonight, and the only reason I think he wasn't able to score more points, uh, he did shoot the ball more, but he was one for five on his three-point three point attempts. Even one more of those goes down. We're talking about an 11-point performance, uh, and then you're saying, like, man, almost a double-double with assists. A couple more of those three goes down, threes go down, and you're talking about a whole different game from him. Um, so, yeah, but he shot the ball well against Wake, so I'm not too worried about his shooting up. I think his shooting can be kind of game to game, but he's he's enough of a threat where you can't leave him alone out there. And I feel confident in him in, in him hitting the open three, uh, which is what we need from him. So great game for Proctor. Sean Stewart uh, got more minutes tonight. Always like to see that. I wish he would have even got more. Just looking at the box store now, he did only get 11 minutes. It felt like he got more than that. Um, but he was able to score nine points. Uh, it got nine points and nine rebounds. Man, that's kind of the first time I'm looking at that number. That's ridiculous to get nine points and nine rebounds in that short of a span. Just a rebounding machine, uh, Sean Stewart is. Um, and even he, he took it easier on the fouls this game, only picking up three fouls in 11 minutes, which is <laughs> another laughable stat. But he was perfect from the field. Uh, just the energy guy caught a couple alley oops, which is something Duke hasn't really had a lob threat this year. We typically do, um, but but he he is a lob threat when he's out there, and he played well, played decent defense, but just he picked up a couple stupid fouls, which he can't do, especially in the stretch without Caleb Foster. Um, but good stuff from Sean. I I think what I saw from Sean was good. Ryan Young had a, a decent game, didn't play a lot of minutes, uh, only scored two points, fouled for some good. He had three offensive rebounds, which is great for him and then Blakes and Spencer Hubbard were the only other guys to to play uh Cameron got rock and Spencer Hubbard was able to drill a uh, a straight up three and uh it sounded like maybe the loudest that place has gotten in a while was after that three uh so good for Spencer Hubbard um uh, something else to point out from this is without Caleb Foster the minutes have really gone up for some of our starters Proctor 33 minutes flip with 29 a lot of that was because he picked up four fouls with about five minutes left in the game. The game was over at that point. No reason for him to come back in, so he sat the rest of the game. Roach with 35 minutes. Mark with 29 minutes. And I think Mark would have played more had he not been in foul trouble. Uh, he, he did. He finished the game with three fouls, but, but got in some foul trouble early. And then Jared McCain finished with 32. So uh, while Caleb Foster is out, which is looking to be like, you know, potentially – I don't think he'll play against UVA or against NC State. I think there's a chance he comes back against Carolina. Um, But he's probably a guy that's mainly going to be coming back in the ACC and NCAA tournament. I I think he'll be back by the ACC tournament. Um, But there are going to be a lot more minutes on our starters here, especially in these close games. So we're going to see how that works out, Um, if Duke can still perform with uh, all their starters playing intense, heavy, heavy minutes, uh, which I think is something they'll be used to. I'm not actually that worried about that. But Kane's been a guy who 
man, last couple games, he gets 30-plus minutes a game, and, and all the other guys, I think, are used to that as well if they're not getting into foul trouble. But great game from Duke tonight. This was a bounce-back win for us. Uh, someone posted on Twitter, one of the Duke guys, and it's totally true. This is the last easy game of the year on the schedule for Duke. This was it. This was the was the last game that it is not going to mean a bunch. Uh, and now this game would have meant a bunch had we lost. But uh, this was, I think, the last game Duke can expect to be really comfortable. Because um, you got UVA next at home. Obviously, that's not going to be easy. I feel good about our chances against UVA, the way we can shoot the ball, which is kind of how you beat Virginia this year is you just shoot the ball well from three especially, and, and Duke does that better than any team in the ACC, I believe, um, statistically. You have NC State, which typically I wouldn't say is a crazy hard game just the way they've played this year, but it's at Raleigh, a place that's notorious for giving Duke a ton of trouble, uh, a ton of trouble. We've lost to some bad NC State teams with some great teams at Raleigh. Uh, and then you got Carolina at home, and we know how much that game emotionally takes out of you and uh, how much you, both teams are going to be invested, especially if we're talking about I, – I, I have to look up the stats on that. I, I think I've forgotten if it, if, uh, if it would be for an ACC regular season title or not. But regardless, even if it's not, um, a huge win opportunity for Duke. But none of that really matters because all that matters is it's Duke and Carolina, and that's all you have to say. And you know how much that game means to to every guy on the court, no matter what side they're on. Then right after that, you do have a double buy in the ACC tournament, which is nice. But you know you're talking about coming cold, playing a team that's already won at least one game, uh, maybe more. Um, so that's not going to be an easy one. You're you're talking about playing a team like a Wake Forest, like a a potential healthy Miami team. Uh, like a Clemson even, even something like that. Um, Clemson might actually be later. We might have to face them later. But um, but you're talking about that. Then you go to the semifinal. It's not going to get easier. And then, of course, the championship, if you're lucky enough to make it, obviously isn't going to be an easy game. And then you've got the uh, the NCAA tournament where, you know, even if Duke is a two playing a 15, that's a high-pressure game where you, uh, you win or your season's over. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed tonight's game. <laughs> Because that was the last, uh, that was the last laid-back game of the year for me as a Duke fan. That's the last one where I'm kind of like, all right, Duke's gonna win this game comfortably. Uh, regular season game at home, nothing really to worry about. Let's just get it off the schedule. That's the last one. That's the last one. So enjoy it. Uh, now, I would say now is when the, the you know the season quote unquote really begins is right now. You know, into ACC tournament March Madness. This is when it plays. This is when it matters. Um, so that's that's the messaging that needs to be sent for Duke, and I'm sure the coaching staff is going to harp on that uh, all for these next few games. Take it one game at a time. Don't get ahead of yourselves. Please don't look ahead or look behind like Wake did when they lost to Notre Dame, or like Carolina did when they lost to Syracuse after Duke. Cannot afford that. Um, but yeah. Let's finish the season strong and uh, let's get some wins. And thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you want to help out the podcast, you can leave a rating wherever you're listening to. That really helps me out. Um, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Follow over on uh, Twitter at Duke Blue Central. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Go Blue Devils.